Welcome back, everybody. This is Rick Pettigrew to hand off our top news stories from this past week of Archaeologica. Send us feedback on the Archaeology Channel Facebook page or post a message on our social networking site, Archaeoseek. Protein residues on metal cauldrons recovered from burial sites in the northern Caucasus region reveal what people there 5,000 years ago were feasting on. Excavation at Mount Zion in Jerusalem have recovered direct physical evidence of two major ancient destructions of the city. Archaeologists in Peru have discovered a drum-like dancing floor used in pre-Inca times by people in the high Andes mountains. And in another breakthrough for evolutionary genetics, researchers in Denmark have recovered the DNA from an array of plants from 2,900-year-old sun-dried clay bricks excavated in an ancient Assyrian city. Thanks to everyone for supporting our subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, available at heritagetac.org. We now have hundreds of titles you can binge upon on Roku. Please help us spread the word. Again, that link is heritagetac.org. Our tour program, TAC Tours, will continue this year, including a tour of Andean sites in Peru in October. You can still join us. The link to our tour program is at archaeologychannel.org tours. And now, here's Laura Kennedy with the audio news from Archaeologica. We hope you find this to be a valuable part of your day. Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Kennedy, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for the week of August 20th through the 26th, 2023. Our first story this week comes from the Northern Caucasus region, the southern part of today's Russia. Here, where the western steppe meets the Caucasus mountains, the first preserved proteins from millennia-old feasts, including proteins from milk, muscle tissue, and blood, have been retrieved from the remains of seven Bronze Age metal cauldrons found in burial sites. Unlike stone or ceramic, metal alloys have antimicrobial properties that help preserve proteins and enable their successful retrieval. As reported in Popular Science, radiocarbon dating allowed the researchers to pinpoint that the cauldrons were used between 3520 and 3350 BC. Prior to this discovery, archaeologists knew little of what was on the local menu during the Maykop period, about 3700 to 2900 BC, only that it likely included a soupy beer. The study revealed that local residents used the metal cauldrons to cook tissues of deer, cows, yaks, or water buffalo. Milk protein residue from goats or sheep suggested they likely also produced dairy products. The study's co-author, archaeologist Viktor Trifonov of the Institute for the History of Material Culture in Russia, notes that Maykop bronze cauldrons probably were seen as rare and expensive treasures, passed down through families as symbols of social position or wealth. This study's samples have been heavily used and extensively repaired, a clear sign of their perceived quality and value. Project team leader Siobhan Wilkin of the University of Zurich says this is the first evidence researchers have of the preserved proteins of a feast. The users of these cauldrons were obviously making large meals, not just cooking for individual families. 
Going forward, the team hopes to examine a wider range of metal vessels in an effort to get a better idea of what people across this ancient steppe were doing and how food preparation differed from region to region and throughout time. Since cuisine is such an important part of culture, studies like this one may also help us understand the cultural connections between different regions. The study was published in the journal iScience. Our next story takes us to Jerusalem, where new archaeological work at Mount Zion has uncovered physical evidence that the city was destroyed twice in ancient times. An international archaeological team found debris from the destruction of the Second Temple by the Romans in the year AD 70, and just meters below that, the destruction of the First Temple and city by the Babylonians in 586 BC. This is the first time both devastations have been documented in the same space, in layers situated one above the other. As reported in Heretz.com, the discovery is the results of the meticulous work of an international team, led by Professor Shimon Gibson of the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and Dr. Rafi Lewis, a senior lecturer at Ashkelon Academic College and fellow at the University of Haifa, who are determined to unravel the intricacies of the densely layered matrix at the Mount Zion site. Their work has unearthed evidence of two massive attacks. The first was led by Neo-Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar. Although the city's walls and defenses initially kept his forces at bay, the king persisted, resulting in a years-long conflict and major loss of life. Israel Antiquities Authority archaeologist Joe Uziel says the remains of this destruction reflect a conquest far different from the Roman siege some 500 years later. He notes that the huge annihilation levels, burnings, and stone collapses of the earlier action are rarely seen. After the Babylonian destruction, Jerusalem lay largely in waste for some 70 years until the return of Jews to the city. Its reemergence reached its peak in the late Second Temple period, roughly 2,000 years ago, stretching from the time of King Herod into the rule of the Roman procurators. In AD 66, the Jews rebelled against the Romans. Four years later, Jerusalem was once again destroyed after a long siege. The warfare involved heavy use of long-range catapults, hurling not only the ballista balls found in the current dig, but spearheads, bolts, and armor-piercing arrowheads. From that event, archaeologists uncovered collapsed walls whose stones were calcified by the intense heat of torched homes and scattered fragments of frescoes. Next, we go to Peru, where excavations at a high-altitude site called Viejo Sangayaico, southeast of Lima, have uncovered a resonant open-air platform that may have served as a giant thunder drum. Set more than two miles above the town of Sangayaiko, the sounding dance floor may have been used between A.D. 1000 and 1400 by pre-Incan Chocorvos farmers and herders for rituals honoring an Andean thunder and lightning god. The platform is positioned to face the nearby peak of Huincho Cruz, possibly in obeisance to mountain gods. It was still in use under Inca rule from 1400 to 1532, and possibly even in the early years of the Spanish conquest. 
As described in Science News, the platform, 10 meters in diameter and large enough for 26 dancers, was filled with six sediment deposits carefully made of mixes of silty clay, sand, ash, and other materials. Layers of guano from llamas and alpacas contained ashy layers with small cavities that helped generate drum-like sounds from the platform's surface. Researchers believe the effect could have been accompanied by other drums and Andean wind instruments. Archaeologist and team leader Kevin Lane of the University of Buenos Aires says the discovery was first made when workers noticed that one of two open-air platforms at the site sounded hollow when walked on. They stomped on it, one at a time, and then in groups of two to four, acoustically testing the noise produced. The sounds ranged from 60 to 80 decibels, roughly the same as a loud conversation or a noisy restaurant. Large groups of Chocorvos dancers would have created a much more powerful effect. Spanish historians documented the Chocorvos beliefs in thunder, lightning, earthquake, and water deities. In addition, remains of what may have been a temple near the platform contained pottery pieces with snake images, which can symbolize water, rivers, and lightning in the Quechua language. Researchers now hope to excavate platforms at other sites to check for drum-like dance floors. Locals tell of another ancient site in an area with a similar platform that resonates underfoot. For our last story, we travel to the National Museum of Denmark, where ancient DNA samples taken from the inner core of an ancient brick have helped to identify an array of plants that flourished in Assyria 2,900 years ago. The researchers extracted DNA from the samples by adapting a protocol previously used for other porous materials such as bone. The brick is from the palace of Neo-Assyrian king Ashurnasirpal, the second in the ancient city of Kalu, known today as the Northeast Palace in Nimrud, northern Iraq. It bears a cuneiform inscription reading, The property of the palace of Ashurnasirpal, king of Assyria, which precisely dates it to within a decade, 879 to 869 BC. DNA sequencing revealed 34 distinct taxonomic plant groups, including cabbage, heather, birch, laurel, cultivated grasses, and umbellifers, which are plants including celery, carrot, and parsley. An interdisciplinary team of Assyriologists, archaeologists, biologists, and geneticists from the University of Oxford compared the findings with modern-day botanical records from Iraq and ancient Assyrian plant descriptions to create a picture of plant life in the distant past. According to Fizz.org, our source for this story, the brick came to light during British excavations of Nimrud beginning in 1949 and was donated to the National Museum of Denmark in 1958 by the Rask Ørsted Foundation, a state-funded Danish body that had supported the excavations. The first sequencing of ancient DNA was in 1984, when dried muscle tissue from an extinct species was sequenced from museum specimens for the first time. Now, this study reveals a new material from which ancient DNA can be analyzed. Because the brick, made of mud collected near the Tigris River, was never fired in a kiln, but left to dry naturally, the genetic material deep inside was preserved. Researchers believe the concept and method used in this study could be applied to other clay samples worldwide, and could even potentially identify taxa from animals as well. 
The team noted that the scientific potential of this approach is substantial for several academic fields, including ancient genomics, Assyriology, and Near Eastern archaeology, and climate biodiversity in historical contexts. They also believe it will lead to a deeper understanding of ancient and lost civilizations. The results were published in the journal Nature. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. Also, be sure to check out our new subscription platform, Heritage Broadcasting Service, at heritagetac.org. I'm Laura Kennedy, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition. You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by. (music) 